Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of The Roadbook, part of the Never Strays Far family of podcasts uh, with myself, Ned Bolting, and normally David Miller, except David's off doing his own thing today, so it's just me. Um, and the other reason why it's just me is, frankly, there's no road racing going on. It has all come to a shuddering halt after the tour of Huang Shi uh, finally was completed in front of an audience of precisely nobody over in China, a mystifying uh, race. Uh, that occupies some sort of a place in the world tour consciousness um, as yet undefined. Anyway, unless you count six-day racing, which you most certainly can, if that's your thing, which has just uh, come to a a halt in London, um, then, yeah, we are preparing ourselves for a a raceless couple of months before it all kicks off again with the tour down under etc at the beginning of January can't wait for that to start so instead of our usual format if such a thing exists uh, which it patently obviously doesn't all I'm going to do here is tee up what's to come in this podcast Um, I have committed to audio form a a, a short audio book if you like uh, my long editor's introduction to the road book the big red book which uh, is the definitive cycling almanac and which is going to be published the 2019 edition on the November the 1st on Friday. Um, but this is an opportunity really just to sit back and enjoy um, reliving the memories of what was an exceptional year of road racing in 2019. Because uh, one of the great privileges and pleasures of my job as editor of the Roadbook is to uh, review the year that has just passed. So um, kick back, make yourself a cup of tea, pour yourself a beer, whatever you want to do. And uh, remember... Uh, just what a wonderful year we have just witnessed. If 2018 had been the year of the miracle, then 2019 was a paradigm shift. The cycling world tipped on its axis. Years from now, historians of this magnificent sport will reflect that this was the point in time when the old guard shuffled out, the new phalanx marched in, dusty traditions were torn up, tired conventions ignored and the continental shelves of the cycling world crashed their century-old tectonic plates together with seismic consequences. It could hardly have been more dramatic, race after race playing itself out in a spirit of renewal that seemed to perfuse the peloton with undiluted ambition. If Greta Thunberg could save the actual world, her same generation could most certainly redefine road racing. How did this come about? One could argue that one of the most significant triggers happened by accident. 
Was it not the moment that Chris Froome, riding reconnaissance on his time trial bike before stage four of the Dauphiné, chose to lift his hands from his handlebars in order to blow his nose? The violence of the subsequent collision with a stone wall that left Froome with multiple broken bones also reverberated around the cycling world in unexpected ways. For when, just a few weeks later, the peloton of the Tour de France rolled out of Brussels, under the watchful gaze of Eddie Merckx 50 years after the great Belgian won his first tour on exactly the same day that Apollo 11 landed on the moon, there was a sense, as yet undefined, that anything was possible. With Chris Froome, the greatest stage racer of his generation, sidelined, everything changed. And yet, the year started in the most familiar way imaginable, with Richie Porte attacking at precisely the same point on Willunga Hill that he always does to claim victory on the Queen stage of the Tour Down Under for a sixth time. There are certain riders one associates with certain races, such as Mark Cavendish and the Champs-Élysées stage, which he dominated for an unparalleled four consecutive years, or Tony Martin and his astonishing record in the German National Time Trial Championships, which he won again in 2019 for a ninth time. So it is that Willunga Hill belongs to Richie Port, and should probably be retired from the parkour when the Tasmanian eventually stops racing, in much the same way that the green jersey should be replaced with something else when Peter Sagan, who won it for a seventh year in 2019, finally loses interest in being ridiculously consistent and unstoppably strong. Darrell Impey won the overall in the Tour Down Under for the second successive year, proving his credentials as the all-rounder's all-rounder and reinforcing the all-round impression that the Tour Down Under is the all-rounder's race. A week later, Elia Viviani, at the beginning of his final year with de Koenig Quickstep, took the clumsily named Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road Race, or C-E-G-O-R-R, as no one calls it. In South America, first Argentina and then Colombia hosted week-long stage races. The Tour de San Juan was overshadowed by controversy after complaints were made against Ilio Quesa of de Koenig Quickstep after he made a lewd gesture when posing for a photo. To compound the issue further, team boss Patrick Lefebvre seemed to dig in and defend his rider, prompting justified outrage and forcing the team to back down and offer an apology that was too little too late. On the bike, Julien Alaphilippe started to show the form that he would continue to demonstrate all year, winning two stages, including a time trial. January gave way to February. At the Tour de Colombia, the top of the GC was a domestic affair. After Alaphilippe, who led going into the final stage, conceded defeat on the last long climb outside Medellin. He dropped to seventh with six Colombians ahead of him, including the winner Miguel Angel Lopez. In Mallorca, Marcel Kittel took victory in the Trofeo Palma, unaware as he did so that it would be the last win of his exceptional career. He would go on to announce his retirement shortly after the Tour de France, citing extreme fatigue, both psychological and physical, and looking forward to becoming a father in the autumn for the first time. Stage racing also got underway on the Iberian Peninsula, with wins going to Jon Nizigiri in Valencia, Jakob Fulsang in Andalusia, and most significantly of all, perhaps, 20-year-old Tadej Pogacar at the Tour of the Algarve. Primoz Roglic was expected to move from hipster choice to mainstream favourite in 2019, Three years on from his very sudden and equally impressive emergence as a major talent with all the attributes of a future Grand Tour winner, the cycling world was beginning to tire of repeating ad nauseam the well-worn biographical nugget that seemed forever to accompany his name. It was time to move on from simply being an ex-ski jumper. With that in mind, it was highly promising that the Slovenian took the overall at the first World Tour stage race of the Northern Hemisphere, the freshly minted, newly merged UAE Tour. Roglic's Jumbo Visma 
who were destined to grow in stature beyond measure before the end of the year, took the opening team time trial and their leader finished either third, second or first on every stage that ended uphill. That was enough to win the race overall, a feat he would repeat at both Tirreno Adriatico, albeit by a single second to Adam Yates, and the Tour of Romandy, before heading to Bologna to try and win the Giro. But the sponsored sunshine of the Middle East could not mask the fact that road racing's roots lie elsewhere, and that the scudding clouds, leafless trees and biting winds of Belgium still signal for many people the commencement of hostilities. And with that, there are few races more dripping with Flandrian meaning than Omloop Het Newsblad. Former world champion Chantal Black won a women's race that will forever be remembered for the neutralisation forced on the peloton after Nicole Hanselman attacked and caught the men's race that had gone off slowly and only 10 minutes before the women's. The disparity between the treatment and coverage of men's and women's racing would continue to rage throughout the year with few clear solutions emerging. Only the continuing problems seem to remain as the women's world tour gears up for further reform in 2020. The men's race was taken by Zdenek Stubar, adding to his decent collection of prestigious one-day races that began with Stradibianchi in 2015. Belgium then pressed pause on its programme as the men's peloton split in two, half to Tuscany for a sequence of northern Italian racing ending with Milan-San Remo, and the other half to Paris-Nice for an edition of the race that battled extraordinarily damaging crosswinds for the first couple of days, forcing several almost instant abandons, including Mark Cavendish, for whom 2019 would prove to be another year of very public ordeal. Another significant portent of things to come was Egan Bernal picking up the overall victory in Nice, thereby claiming the first big French stage race of the calendar. The fact that he did so without winning a stage almost made it more impressive. Consistency and a widespread of ability, he was sixth in the individual time trial, are always the key to winning stage races. Bernal would go on to pick up third overall in Catalonia before winning the Tour de Suisse, just as Geraint Thomas and Chris Froome were both crashing with varying degrees of ramification. Bernal's 2019 approach to the Tour de France, in stark contrast to his senior teammates, was untroubled. A case for some sort of leadership was becoming compelling. Back in Italy, Tuscany hosted both World Tour pelotons. The women's edition of Stradibianchi was the first World Tour race on the calendar and was duly and impressively won by Annemiek van Fluten. This victory was all the more remarkable given the severity of her injury sustained during the 2018 World Championship road race. But it was the rider who finished in second place who really caught the eye. Veteran Dane Annika Langvad, a very recent convert from cross-country mountain biking, surprised herself by an astonishingly self-possessed and wonderful ride. A third at Flesch-Vallon was followed by a fourth place in the Amstel Gold Race. Confirmation of her obvious talent, a win, would surely follow. Behind the scenes, a couple of the biggest names in the peloton, having retired in 2018, were quietly going about the next phase of their careers, smashing a few glass ceilings in the process. German sprinter Ina Teutenberg and former world champion Giorgia Bronzini had teamed up to form the sports direction at Trek Segafredo. For the roadbook, Eurosport's Grand Tour anchor Orla Shenoui went off in pursuit of the only female DS pairing in the world tour. Her startling and at times uncomfortable account of meeting them represents an important and fascinating contribution to the continuing account of a sporting culture in evolution. In the meantime, Julien Alaphilippe was starting to look irrepressible. The Frenchman toyed with Jakob Fulsang as the pair, who would continue their duelling for weeks to come, entered the old city of Siena with only one outcome likely. Alaphilippe skipped away from the Dane to claim his first Stradibianchi. He then continued his form at Terreno Adriatico, picking up a couple of stages, including a pretty complete full-on bunch sprint. 
It came as no surprise to anyone then that a few days later he won his first monument, Milan San Remo. On form like this, Alaphilippe was unanswerable. No one as yet had any inkling of how this would convert in such remarkable fashion onto the roads of France in July, but there was a growing sense that the world's top-ranked rider would continue to leave his stamp all over 2019. With that in mind, acclaimed sports writer and polymath Philippe Auclair has written about the origins and characteristics of this one-man phenomenon for the Roadbook 2019, offering a definitive insight into one of the most exciting riders of the modern era. Back in Belgium, where the biggest names normally racked up the biggest wins, 2019 continued to buck the trend and point the way to an alternative future. Alberto Bettiol was the surprise winner of the Tour of Flanders and wasted no time in telling his doubters in the Italian press where to stick their scepticism. Fabio Jakobsen, at just 22, won the Sprinters' cobbled classic for the second time. And Mathieu van der Poel hinted at greatness to come by riding to victory in Dwarsdorf Flanderen, en route to turning accepted cycling certainties on their head a few weeks later at the men's Amstel Gold Race. On the other hand, Philippe Gilbert, whose compelling first-hand account of the win features in these pages, took Paris-Roubaix at only his second attempt. He will switch to Lotto Soudal and head into 2020, just one monument short of a truly astonishing clean sweep. Simultaneous with this sequence of results, former roadbook contributor Mariana Voss picked up in 2019 where she left off in 2018 by winning. She took the prestigious Trofeo Binda, a Dutch rider winning in Italy shortly after an Italian, Marta Bastianelli, won in the Netherlands by getting the better of Dutch riders Chantal Black and Ellen van Dijk in the Ronde van Drenthe. Then it was over to evergreen sprinter Kirsten Wild to remind the cycling world of her occasional unstoppable form by winning the three days of Japan and Ghent Vevelgem, while Alexander Kristoff won the men's edition. The big hitters continued to share around the victories in the Women's World Tour one-day programme. Bastinelli made it an Italian double at the Tour of Flanders, before 2018's defining rivals Anna van der Breggen and Annemiek van Fluten shared the spoils in the Ardennes, with victories at both Flesch Vallon and Liège-Baston-Liège respectively. Both those wins came after a truly amazing Sunday, Amstel Gold. It was Kasia Nyeviadoma who started the ball rolling by winning the biggest one-day race on Dutch soil in brilliant fashion, beating Annemiek van Fluten to the line and fending off a further group being driven on by a tireless Mariana Vos who had seemingly closed gaps on her own all day. That race had such great drama and dynamism but was itself eclipsed a few hours later when Mattia van der Poel snatched an impossible-looking victory with what was widely held to be one of the greatest races ever seen. Beyond the hyperbole and with his customary intelligence and wit, Dr Michael Hutchinson has crunched the numbers from all the publicly available power data to see how the race was won. And so to Italy again, the Giro d'Italia. As Tom Isitt documents in his cultural and historical appreciation of the race which sits in these pages, alongside Matt Rendell's race analysis and reports, is often anticipated beyond all reason and usually delivers. While the rain-soaked and uncharacteristically flat opening phase of the 2019 race at times failed to get beyond mildly diverting, the race did finally provide Italophile enthusiasts with sufficient opportunity to use the word epic. With the 2017 winner Tom Dumoulin climbing off on stage 5 and the other pre-race favourite Primoz Roglic crashing on stage 15, the way was opened for the unheralded, if highly talented, Richard Carapaz to climb to victory, leaving the Slovenian and Vincenzo Nibali to bicker and battle for the minor places on the podium. Carapaz's victory was an astonishing and unexpected achievement for a rider who has emerged into the glare of success from relative shadows in 2019. He carried with him the attention and aspirations of a country totally unused to such triumphs. 
Carapaz has shared with the roadbook his experience of racing to the Giro title and then flying home to a hero's welcome. The Ecuadorian would not be the last rider to cross the South Atlantic from east to west with a huge smile on their face in 2019. Another emerging talent, Lorena Vibes, a ludicrously young, 20, fast finishing, and wouldn't you know it, Dutch rider, won every single stage plus the white, green and yellow jerseys at the tour of Chongming Island, before going on to claim the national and European road race titles. The unnecessarily feminised Ride London Classique and a stage of the Tour of Norway, thereby adding another phenomenal weapon to the Netherlands' potential arsenal for the Yorkshire World Championships in September. For the roadbook, Kit Nicholson has charted Weber's rise to the very top of the World Tour standings and puts flesh on the bones of a string of truly startling results. Anna van der Breggen did nothing to dispel the aura of Dutch national invincibility by winning the Tour of California. The men's race was won by Tadej Pogacar with a victory atop Mount Baldy, California's Willunga Hill, although much higher and much longer. Pogacar's season to date looked as close to impeccable as you could expect from a rider only just out of his teens. For van der Breggen, it was business as usual. A little under the World Tour radar, another overwhelming talent was quietly going about his business. Former footballer, he'd represented Belgium at junior level, and now all-round cycling phenomenon Remco Evenepoel had cantered to victory in 2019 in the Junior European and Junior World Race and Time Trial Championships. In 2019, he picked up results in the hard-to-calibrate Hammer Series before taking his first professional win in the Balois Belgium Tour in trademark fashion. He simply rode away from everyone else. May came to a close with Elisa Longo-Borghini's victory in the Basque country at the testing four-day stage race Ema Comain Bira. And then Lizzie Dignan, in her comeback year after giving birth in September 2018, took home an abnormally wet and challenging edition of the Women's Tour in the UK. That race featured a crash that brought down a huge number of big-name riders, including Mariana Vos and her CCC teammate Ashley Moorman Passio. Then came that symbolic, pivotal moment. Chris Froome's full-throttle self-destruct. Confined to a hospital bed, he could only observe the rush to fill the power vacuum. Without the four-time Tour de France winner, and with last year's yellow jersey Geraint Thomas also contriving to crash, much less seriously, at the Tour de Suisse, a significant portion of the men's peloton, unaccustomed to such a sudden reversal, started dreaming of success on the Champs-Élysées. While the newly and controversially rebranded Team Ineos claimed victory in Switzerland with Egan Bernal, a rather limp edition of the Criterium du Dauphiné came to an undramatic close, with a second win in three years for Jakob Fulsang, who had also won his first monument in 2019, Liège-Bastogne-Liège. One sensed that there were a number of riders with eyes on the bigger prize at the Tour de France. How best to sum up the best edition of the Tour in living memory? Enduring, isolated snapshots serve as well as any structured prose. Jumbo Visma's team hug beneath Brussels' atomium. Julien Alaphilippe's victory salute, surrounded by champagne fields. Wout van Aert's lead-out work, followed by his win and his crash. Three pictures encapsulating the highs and lows of this brutal sport. Or perhaps these, Thomas de Ghent marauding. Bardet's polka dot sigh of relief. Alaphilippe's ferocity and tenacity. The irrepressible nature of a spell in yellow that transformed the race and transcended expectations. Or maybe... You'll never forget Thibaut Pino's tears of defeat as he was forced through injury to abandon a tour he might very well have won, followed on the same day by a mudslide and more tears, this time Egan Bernal's. But perhaps one image will last more than any other, 
and is reproduced in our gallery section in a remarkable photograph taken by Russ Ellis for the roadbook, the Bernal family standing in wonder together as if the rest of the world did not exist, exchanging their private expression of love and respect. Standing as an equal among them, the youngest Mayojon in modern times. If ever we needed reminding that athletes are humans with human stories, this was it. For the Roadbook 2019, Matt Rendell, a brilliant writer who, after more than 10 years living in Colombia, understands the country and its esoteric cycling culture in unique depth, has put into fascinating context the meaning of this moment, both for the country he loves and for him personally. He has the knack of seeing things in a global context, geographically, culturally, historically and personally. Furthermore, one of the most decorated, venerated and admired contemporary writers in the French language, Paul Fournel, has written a poem exclusively for the road book. In Autrefois des Français Gagnés, which translates as Once Upon a Time the French Would Win, Fournel reflects on the bewitching flickerings of French revival on the 2019 tour and the persistent frustrations that normally end with that old rival from across the water winning. And to add to the roll call of Team Sky stroke Ineos Grand Tour wins, Chris Froome, still recovering in hospital during the tour, was retrospectively credited with victory in the 2011 Vuelta. The original winner, by 13 seconds of the race, Juan Jose Cobo, failed to lodge an appeal against the doping ban and was thereby stripped of his victories. Froome's tally of Grand Tour wins has now grown to seven. For many of us veteran journalists who went to the Tour de France, in my case for the 17th consecutive year, the race was different this year, and not in a good way. News came to us all in early December that our colleague Paul Sherwin had died. Sherwin, who himself had raced the Tour, will be remembered by millions around the world as an inseparable part of one of sport's most enduring and cherished broadcasting double acts. Alongside Phil Liggett, he commentated on the Tour for decades, and for many English-speaking followers was one of the voices of the Tour. For the 2019 Roadbook, I asked his great friend and successor on the microphone, Bob Roll, to articulate the scale of his and our loss. Fighting for attention alongside the tour, but internationally televised, at least to a certain extent, so that it could reach the wider audience it deserved, the Giro Rosa provided the platform for Annemiek van Vluten to double down on her 2018 success and by a similarly impressive margin. Anna van der Breggen finished in second place, while Mariana Vos rode in support once again of Ashley Moulman Passio and picked up the 25th stage win of her astonishing career. There was also a notable first win for Britain's Lizzie Banks. From there, the women's peloton turned up at the Tour de France for La Course, the one-day race, won in ominously cold-blooded and irrepressible form by Voss herself. She would continue to take three stages and the GC of the Tour of Norway a month before the World Championships. The cycling world had barely time to process the emotionally charged events of July before both the men and the women were racing again. And youth continued to show up experience as a busted flush, Remco Evenepoel, still just 19, scored a remarkable success in the Classica Ciclista San Sebastian, again simply riding everyone else off his wheel in a win that went way beyond eye-catching. In Poland, tragedy. Lotto Sudal's young talent Bjorg Lamprecht crashed on a descent and despite immediate medical care succumbed to his injuries and died. It was an anomalous incident, though one that sadly repeats itself all too often in different guises. For a while, racing once again seemed irrelevant as the cycling world tried to take stock of the insoluble equation that bedevils any risk-taking human endeavour. Can it be worth the cost of even one young life?
In the absence of anything like an answer to this question, the peloton neutralised the following stage. When matters of life and death become too complex and outgrow our desire to celebrate a diversion like sport, we have a tendency simply to muddle on, which is both our collective failing and our only possible saving. When racing resumed, it did so with a heavy heart. Lamprecht was only 22 when he died. In June, he finished the Dauphiné as the best young rider, but his last race entry will forever read Tour of Poland, Stage 3, Chorzo to Zabrze, DNF. Peter Cossins has put into detail the stark facts of his short biography as the roadbook pays tribute to the many who have left us behind in 2019. The final Grand Tour of the year saw Primoz Roglic start as a strong favourite. He battled back from a series of falls, once during the opening team time trial, when his team hit a wet patch on the road, and again in torrential rain on stage nine, to go into the first rest day, breathing down the neck of the specialised climbers, and race leader Nairo Quintana in particular. Roglic duly delivered a masterful time trial to take a lead he would never relinquish, despite being put under repeated pressure. Nonetheless, he hurdled a series of obstacles, including crashes and crosswinds, to deliver a first grand tour for Slovenia and, for his team, the invigorated Jumbo Visma. Yet even this remarkable win was, to some extent, overshadowed by the confirmation of the emerging talent of his 20-year-old compatriot, Tadej Pogacar, who took two stages and finished in third place overall in his first Grand Tour. For the first time since 1982, Great Britain hosted the UCI World Road Race Championships as the Yorkshire spa town of Harrogate shut down its roads for a week to welcome the sudden influx of racers from around the globe. The glorious weather that greeted the Paralympic riders, who competed across three races on the opening Saturday, was replaced by a sudden downturn in conditions. Heavy, persistent rain became the norm, setting in and soaking the county of Yorkshire for a whole week. A series of spectacular crashes in the junior men's time trial became some of the iconic images of this edition of the World Championships. The under-23 men's road race also produced unforgettable drama as the first rider over the line, Niels Ickhoff, was disqualified before the podium ceremony for a sustained period of drafting after a crash 120 kilometres back up the road. He was escorted away in floods of tears and was not the only rider seen to be overcome with emotion over the course of a bruising championship. It was the USA who emerged as the dominant nation in the opening few days, picking up a total of six medals, including three golds, the most notable of those won by 22-year-old Chloe Digert owen who comfortably vanquished both Dutch stars Anna van der Breggen and Annemiek van Vluten in the women's elite individual time trial. Rowan Dennis retained the men's title, riding an unmarked bike, and continued the feud with his team Barre Merida that resulted in his dismissal as the championships came to an end. The elite women's road race passed just a few miles from former world champion Lizzie Dignan's hometown of Otley. Yet despite being on home roads and a sharp showing over the opening phase of racing, she was powerless in the face of a Netherlands team packed with star riders. When Annemiek van Vluten attacked on the Lofthouse climb some 104 kilometres out, Dignan saw the race slip away. Van Vluten soloed to victory over two-thirds of the full race distance, a truly remarkable feat that she still recalls with absolute clarity for the roadbook. Only inside the final few hundred metres did she dare to look round to see if she was still clear. No one else was within sight. The following day, the brief hiatus in the appalling weather ended. It had rained all night, prompting the organisers to shorten the race route due to flooding. This removed the two stiffest climbs on the route. With an early breakaway already caught as the race entered the 14-kilometre Harrogate circuit for the final nine laps, Philippe Gilbert crashed 
and was forced to abandon in tears. Pre-race favourite Mathieu van der Poel attacked with Italy's Matteo Trentin, a move that forced the final selection. But much to everyone's surprise, the imposing Dutchman suddenly cracked and fell away as if suffering, in BBC commentator Chris Boardman's words, from a double leg puncture. That left the fast-finishing Trentin in a seemingly impregnable position. However, Mads Pedersen of Denmark had other ideas, staying with the Italian when he attacked just outside Betty's tea rooms within the final 300 metres, and then countering him to take the most stunning victory by an underdog at the Elite Men's World Championship road race in living memory. And finally for the men, attention turned to the ochre browns and smoky sunshine of autumnal Lombardy. It started with another terrible accident and another young life changed forever. Descending from the Madonna del Gisalo during the Piccolo Lombardia, Edo Maas, a 19-year-old Dutch stagiaire with Team Sunweb, was hit by a car that had strayed onto the course. Eleven days later, it was announced that the fracture to his spine had resulted in paraplegia. He had lost the feeling in his legs. And, once again, the racing world was forced to take stock. And as before, it drew few answers. Despite both Egan Bernal and Primoz Roglic sharing out the wins in a week of one-day races leading up to the final monument of 2019, it was Bauke Mollema who attacked audaciously on the Civilio climb and built a lead that peaked at about 45 seconds before a group of favourites realised they'd left it too late to chase. From that moment, the biggest victory of the popular Dutchman's career was all but secure. He took Il Lombardia and for the first time in nearly 20 years, not one Italian was in the top ten. The following day, the Belgian Yele Valais took the win in an edition of Paris Tour that featured gravel roads, part of an increasingly prevalent trend, and closed the European season. And so the year reached its tumultuous conclusion. Seldom has the start of the following year felt so distant nor so yearned for. Young talents like Lorena Vibers and Chloe Digert-Owen will surely flourish. Similarly, much is expected of the precociously gifted daughter of former Paris-Roubaix winner Magnus and former Welsh international rider Meg Backstead, Elena Backstead has signed for Trek Segafredo. The future is rushing towards us. In the men's peloton, the pack will have been intriguingly shuffled, with Tom Dumoulin joining forces with the Jumbo-Visma pairing of Stephen Kreisveik and Primoz Roglic. The Dutch team intend to take the fight to Team Ineos, who could well field the last three Tour de France winners in their lineup in July. Meanwhile, Movistar's traditional lineup has been largely broken up. And Mark Cavendish will seek, perhaps for the last time, to get back to winning ways with a revamped Barre Merida. And Julien Alaphilippe will continue to puzzle about where he goes next in his glittering career. 2019 has felt as if someone has thrown open the windows, allowing a fusty old house to be suffused with warm, fresh air. Wout van Aert, Mathieu van der Poel, Egan Bernal, Mads Pedersen, Remco Evenepoel and Tadej Pogacar. These names have only just begun to write themselves into history. This season has raised more questions than it has answered. It has refused to conform to the accepted norms, producing victories in the very biggest races for nations hitherto overlooked by the conventional historical powerhouses of this rapidly mutating sport. It has proven beyond doubt that youth has no need to fear experience. It has suggested time and time again that where there was once stifling certainty, there is now exuberant hope. So this is the abiding duty of the roadbook in 2019. The spirit of this year of reaffirmation has been carefully distilled, refined, and is contained within the hundreds of inked pages that follow here. They are stuffed to overflowing with a sense of renewal and impatience for the following year to start again. Because, 
As far as the eye can see now, across cobbles and hairpins, coastlines and mountains, there is an abundance of hope. So that's it. I hope you enjoyed uh, reliving the memories of 2019 and I hope you're looking forward to 2020 as much as I am. The Big Red Book, of course, is now available. It's coming out on November the 1st. You can pre-order your copy, signed and numbered if you wish, um, from theroadbook.co.uk. And you can also, um, if you didn't get last year's, uh, start to build your collection with a discounted uh, 2018 edition that's still for sale. So I hope you can get on board and support our project and I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, catch you next time. Hopefully I can drag David in front of him microphone as well. See you soon. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.